This is the second part of an interview with best-selling author Parag Khanna in June of 2022, where we discussed a new AI tool for analyzing real estate risk and opportunity in this volatile new landscape of climate change and migration. You are listening to the AFIRE podcast. Real estate, technology, cross-border investing, and the opportunities of a changing world. Let's start a conversation now. estate business, we're having to predict long time frames. We're having to look out uh, 10, 20 years as we try to figure out where we should place um, the money of pensioners and savers and, 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 and sovereign wealth groups, etc. Um, and these are tough models. Uh, and I think we all need a little bit more help than we have right now. I think this is certainly a circumstance where gut instinct really doesn't help. It may even hinder since gut is based on historical experience, not on what's happening or what will happen. So you've created something that you're calling Climate Alpha, which I find fascinating. And I'm not going to try to explain it. Instead, I'm going to just hand the mic over to you on this. And, and please explain to us, what is Climate Alpha and how can it help us think about our investment strategies going forward? Great. Well, thanks for the opportunity to, to discuss it in more detail. Climate Alpha is a machine learning platform. It's a price prediction platform for real estate assets. Uh, primarily in the United States, but we plan to expand globally uh, very, very soon. Well, how do we do it? Well, we've taken the history of property transactions across asset classes, whether it is residential, commercial, industrial, agricultural, and uh, a time series basis. And if there were no climate change, then you could make some amount of linear forecasts, you know, even taking into account property market cycles around, you know, who's benefiting from demographic shifts and, and uh, investment patterns and fiscal expenditures and tax policy and these kinds of things. But now you do have to factor into account climate. So we do a number of things. We not only have the history of um, you know, property transactions, we've really looked at the dozens of variables that drive uh, property markets. And that includes the fiscal, the demographic, the hedonic, um, uh, technological, infrastructural, and other sorts of things. So that, that's about 100 different data sets that have some had some bearing on property values. And then we also bring in the climate models. And the emphasis there is on, on scenarios, because there isn't just one climate future. We don't know if it's going to be, um, you know, a kind of low climate change pathway or a worst case scenario. And we've built four different climate scenarios. And then we apply those scenarios to each geography in the U.S. to establish a so-called climate price meaning depending on which scenario climate change takes and the impact that it has on sea level rise or on groundwater availability or on heat stress and storm risk and flood risk, what impact will that have on uh, asset values, again, across all asset classes for every single zip code in America? There's more than 40,000 zip codes in the U.S. And then because we brought in all of the historical variables, because we have the pricing data on transactions, and because we have climate models, we can bring them all together and genuinely create a price prediction uh, uh, sort of framework. And so we're able to apply that. And it is machine learning driven, so it's an automated process. We're a SaaS company, so it's actually a software platform, basically. Um, and it can model portfolios or can help you construct new portfolios 
that tilt towards certain theses like climate resilient assets or locations that um, you know have very high levels of poverty so if you have a you know a, a social impact thesis you can use the product for that or you're looking for the next zoom towns right what are the next 10 zoom towns after boise right what are the non-obvious ones that haven't been profiled in all the newspapers yet you can start to tease those things out based upon the signals and trends uh, that we've captured in the product so the the thesis is is generated by the user in terms of trying to figure out if something in your strategy makes sense or not, and then you go through there, or are there, are there baked in thesis that you've already examined within the system? Quite a, quite a few. We have a library of scenarios that you can run. So, you know, if you were to assume that, uh, you know, full implementation of a large Biden infrastructure package, right? And, you know, so, you know, you, we roughly know the geographical distribution of that expenditure. We know what infrastructures it's going to go into, whether it's repairing bridges and roads and, uh, and so forth, or whether it's going into green energy. Well, then if infrastructure improves, then we know what the historical correlation is between infrastructure quality and, uh, and, um, and real estate values, for example, right? And we are starting to be able to model out the impact of having uh, higher clean energy in the electricity grid, a lower cost of building a net zero building, and these kinds of things. So we incorporate all of those all of those data sets and projections in as well. So you can build a scenario around infrastructure investment, build a scenario around uh, lots of you know high migration. You can build a scenario um, around uh, a greater number of people seeking climate resilient assets in the event of extreme climate change. So you can build an endless number of scenarios. And then each time you run a scenario, you'll come out with different outcomes, uh, outputs in terms of which geographies will generate the highest returns. And that's, of course, where investors should be allocating their capital on a medium term, long term basis. And, um, you know, to be clear, you can use this on a two year horizon or three year horizon. You don't have climate change. It's not a 50 year thing anymore. Right. It's already yesterday in so many places. And because we don't do, do just climate, we do everything. Uh, it is useful literally on an annualized basis already. We give annualized uh, predictions. Now, again, Pinar, you know, why does this matter so much? Because so much of the world's savings, right, pensions, uh, you know, private wealth, uh, endowments, uh, you name it, sovereign wealth and so on, is uh, tied up in American real estate. American real estate is the most widely held asset class in the entire world. So, you know, we need to make sure that that the world's savings is not concentrated in just the same tier one urban commercial downtown REITs <laughs> that it has been, uh, you know, for, for a very long time. We have a, almost a moral obligation, not to mention just a pragmatic need in terms of climate adaptation to start to distribute our bets, right? More, much more broadly um, and not put all our eggs in the same baskets. And so we help to facilitate that process in a, yeah. Well, it sounds like it's it's not just on the acquisition side. It's not just on figuring out, you know, where I want to invest next, but it sounds like this is being used as a tool for risk management and for understanding 
what what your exposure is right now with your existing portfolio? It's very much both. So, you know, the journey tends to begin with an existing portfolio because obviously, you know, real estate, private equity and uh, and, and obviously credit portfolios from banks and other asset managers, insurance companies. Obviously, we already have this existing stock, 60 trillion dollars of property assets in the United States. So step one tends to be just to model your, again, your so-called climate price. We also suddenly have something called the resilience index. So you assign resilience index scores to each of your property locations. That's a, a, a composite of 18 different indicators that we've attributed to each location in the country. And so that just gives you a sense of you know, your value at risk, what we call the climate price and other kinds of just, you know, sort of a dashboard of knowledge that you should have about locations and then what that value at risk is under different scenarios. Stage two tends to be the portfolio construction, right? Once you've ranked your assets and decide what, which ones you're going to dispose of and what timeline, you know, you're also at the same time thinking about, well, where to invest next. Right. You know, what thesis do you want to get behind at what time horizon? So we, we, it's very much a risk analytics platform, but also a portfolio construction platform at the same time. So if you've started to roll out uh, this tool and uh, folks have started to do analyses and, you know, you're finding all this data, 100 data sets coming together. Has anything surprised you in terms of markets that are mapping out differently than what our gut instinct might be? Well, you know, you mentioned just a moment ago that you can't really trust your gut instinct at a large scale, right? It seems reasonable for people to say, ah, oh, yes, you know, Denver makes sense. It's elevated, you know, and they get sufficient precipitation. There may be water shortage issues, but sure, I'll make a bet on Denver. But when you're, again, thinking about the... Um, the, the, the trillions and trillions of dollars that need to be allocated or reallocated, you can't just you know go with your gut, right? You have to um, you have to allocate capital on a much broader scale. So we've run these um, models that kind of look back from the future uh, in a way. We say, well, let's say it's the year twenty thirty, and you have had ten years of accelerated climate change. What will have been the geographies that will have appreciated the fastest? And that was a real aha moment for us because the Choropleth map that popped up and the results were really quite distributed across the country. And if I said, hey, Gunnar, you know, can you name me the top 20 counties that will have grown the fastest between 2020 and 2030 uh, based upon high climate change, you know, you'd be very, very lucky, you know, as we throw darts at the map, you know, to hit uh, more than three or four of them. Right. But here we have a mathematical answer. And when you look at each of those locations and you drill down, you can start to understand why each of them proliferated. And they're not all concentrated in one place. They're spread well around the country. Um, and so that's just one example. Right. And, and, and what's what's critical to defending that outcome is what's called feature analysis. It's not just, you know, well, because the AI said so, you know, that's a very black box way of thinking. What feature analysis allows us to do is to look at behind the outcome for each scenario, what were the factors that drove the results, 
Was it higher population density? Uh, was it climate resilience of the location? Was it the uh, economic diversification that's going on there? Was it the, the tax rate? Was it the education levels of people? Is it vehicular ownership? Is it low mortgage delinquency? Is it high air quality? Again, dozens and dozens of variables ultimately shape uh, outcomes in our property markets, and each of them can be significant. They may be more or less significant um, in the future versus in the past. And so our algorithms present that to you. They don't hide it from you. They tell you which indicators and variables had the most impact under which scenario. And then you're welcome to challenge it. So you know what? I get the logic that tax rate is going to continue to be really significant, but these places are going to have to raise taxes in order to cope with climate stress and invest in climate adaptation and build seawalls. Okay, so you modify the scenario and you raise the taxes and then you rerun the scenario, right? And you'll get a different impact based upon the back testing and based upon the kind of flow through of tax rates to other factors that then impact property values. So this is a complex, iterative, interactive modeling process um, in which we think of it as very much a kind of co-developed sort of thing. It's not like, again, here's your climate model. This is what will happen and this is what the outcome will be. That's not how scenario planning works. In fact, I think for the benefit of your listeners, whenever someone says climate scenario, they're missing the point. Right? There's no such thing as just a climate scenario. The word scenario must, by definition, entail that it is interdisciplinary. You don't just build a climate scenario and hold everything else equal. That's not the way, that's not the whole point. The whole entire point of scenario building, as someone, I've been doing it for more than 20 years, um, is that you have to change everything and do very complex modeling because everything affects everything else. So we try to build the most realistic scenarios possible because we allow everything to be changed because in reality, everything does change in line with and in response to everything else. I mean, it sounds to me like the kind of tool that more sophisticated investors have been looking for for a while to be able to capture all this and be able to move it through. And thanks to AI and all the work that you and your, your team have done, I think it sounds like it might be possible. This sounds very attractive. Um, what are you most uh, optimistic about as you look at your multiple crystal balls about what's going to happen next? Well, do you mean just in American real estate or in terms of our global adaptation to unpredictable crises that are cascading and slamming us all the time? <laughs> right. I'm thinking big. Let's go global. Yeah. What are you most excited about? Um, you know, I think there is, and COVID may be partially, you know, it's something to do with this, but there is an awakening to the fact that we have this misalignment of the geography of people, of resources, of borders, of economic activity, and that simultaneously we have these labor shortages and desperate need for climate adaptation, and that we can kind of square the circle, right? And the surest way I mean, there are really two solutions to humanity's conundrums. Number one is you move people to where the resources are. And number two is you move technologies to the people who need them. And those two things are actually happening. Are they happening fast enough and as extensively, you know, as they need to? No, you know, we'll never necessarily be satisfied with that. But they are happening and they're happening increasingly um, and, and they're happening 
due to again pragmatism prevailing over uh, sort of you know uh, uh, populism. So I'm generally optimistic about that. Well, I think we've run out of time, Paraga. This has been a fascinating conversation, and I hope that uh, AFIRE will be able to engage in more conversations with you uh, in the months ahead. Uh, we've been speaking with Parag Khanna. He's the founder and managing partner of FutureMap and the best-selling author of the new book, Move, uh, that I recommend that everyone get a copy of sooner rather than later as we try to figure out what happens next. Thank you, Parag, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thank you so much, Gunnar. Such a pleasure. You've been listening to the AFIRE podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast subscription service, such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitchers, and others. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice. No content in this podcast is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included has been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE.